1: Tottenham, Tottenham, don't be a Clottenham. You want goals? Tottenham's got the Tottenham, 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 Tottenham. I'm saying
0: Tottenham very, very often. Hot, shot, give them all you got. Let me make it plain. Tottenham are the Kings.
1: The Kings of White Heart Lane. Tottenham, Tottenham.
0: Hello. Welcome. Welcome back. Where have you been? Where the hell have you all been? What have you been doing? It's Top 10 Tottenham returns with uh, a beautiful man who's been on the show uh, a few times, a professional, a professional broadcaster who bleeds lily white. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Marcus Buckland. How are you, Marcus?
2: I'm very well. Very excited to be on. So thank you for inviting oh, me. A pleasure. A pleasure. Me to... You were
0: literally first on the list when we decided to do these again. Uh, and thank you very much for doing it. Now, before we sort of get into the meat of the show, uh, remind listeners who might have not heard of your your performances on the Spurs show. Where does your Spurs journey begin? How how did you get this shared affliction with the rest of us? Who was to blame yes. for a life of abject misery and disappointment?
2: Um, my half brother, actually. Okay. <laughs> Uh, We have a complicated family. One half of the family were not particularly interested uh, in football. My dad's half, he he was a bit of a, dare I say it, a bit of a Chelsea fan, but didn't really have a a great affiliation for anybody. But on my mother's side of the family, they were all Spurs through and through. And my half-brother, who's 11 years older than me when I was about five or six, said to me, if you don't support Spurs, I will never speak to you again. Uh, and at the age of five or six, that sort of threat has to be taken seriously. <laughs> and my dad was pretty frustrated because we li- we lived in Bayswater. He right. he tried to turn me into a QPR fan because it was really easy to just yeah, pop team, yeah, yeah, uh, play for them, yeah, exactly. And um, but having gone to Spurs a few times for me. Mm. I just couldn't, I couldn't, much as I wanted to please my dad, I said, Dad, I'm sorry, I, it's fun going to go office Road, but I don't have any sense of excitement or, or desire to see them win. And Tottenham's just a whole different kettle of fish. And so I was snared in at that youthful age. Nice. And unfortunately, the affliction's got ever worse ever since. So who
0: did you go? So, I mean, did your dad then go, oh, i take it to Spurs? Or did you go with your half-brother? My dad took me occasionally.
2: I didn't go as much as I wanted to. But my cousin, Tony, who's about two years older than me uh, and went through a period between about 1980 and 2003, where he didn't miss a game home or away, including Europe, he and I would often go together. So there was always somebody. And then I managed to railroad a couple of friends of mine from school. So um, and sometimes I go by myself. And in fact, I still sometimes... Uh, because I've only got one season ticket at the moment, which is very right. frustrating cause I've got two boys who also want to come. But sometimes mm. I do go by myself, and I quite like that in a way because when things go wrong, which over the mm. years they have done <laughs> a few times, I'm not the best of company. I'd rather actually just moan and ruminate by myself. So I'm equally happy going by myself, and I normally recognise a few faces, but mm. um, it would have been my cousin in the main or a friend of mine called Will, who for a period certainly in the 80s, we used to go um, quite a lot home and away.
0: But you must find it more difficult kind of well, quite a, many years now because obviously your sports broadcast, a lot of sports are on weekends. As you know, there's a lot of prep to do in these things. You don't just show up and start chatting about stuff. You've been doing a lot of tennis recently, taking you uh, all over. So in sort of the last sort of 15, 20 years, I mean, uh, presume it's been a bit stop-start.
2: It's been really stock start I would say, frustratingly, uh, I this season that's just passed, so probably, I probably went about eight times, which for oh me is good, because, yeah, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. In, it, on average, I would say, ever since I began broadcasting on a regular professional basis, I probably only got to go and see them maybe four or five times a season. So I felt bad, because back in, in the 80s, which was when I was, mm-hmm. you know... Really obsessed with it. I would, I would try and go certainly to every home game and as many of the away games as possible. But that, that just stopped being possible. Um, and you know, it's frustrating. But equally, I'm, I'm not going to complain about getting paid to be a broadcaster. So yeah. you've got to take the rough with the smooth.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, yeah, we we all know you from from Sky Sports. Uh, I, I know you from Sky Sports uh, when you did a lot of studio work with Claire Tomlinson, another big, big Spurs fan. Uh, who's, who's, who's very, I mean, she's a good friend of mine, very reluctant to come on the show. She doesn't think she knows enough. And I'm like, really? You go to, you're, you're as crazy as we all are. But that's, that's, that's another story. What were you doing before Sky? Where, where were you before Sky Sports?
2: I, well, from university, I went, I went to university in uh, East Anglia and then I got right. lucky in that I managed to get a postgraduate BBC job. And I, I trained to be a radio journalist, which included attachments in Nottingham, in Norfolk, and then I got a job eventually in Gloucestershire. They'd opened the radio station, BBC Radio Gloucestershire. This was back in the late 80s. So I actually got a job there. But that was as a news reporter. I'd been trained as a news reporter. I wanted to get into sport. And luckily, after about four months, I noticed that there was a, a job going in in Liverpool at Radio Merseyside as a, right. as a broadcaster. So I went up there in late 89 and really cut my teeth. The year I went there was the last year that Liverpool won the league uh, prior to a couple of seasons ago. And yeah. it was pretty air-raising because Kenny Dalglish was the manager. I could never understand a word he was saying. And he was quite, <laughs> he was quite scary. Uh, I always remember <laughs> once doing going into, into the boot room at Anfield after they played Manchester United. I was in the middle of interviewing Jim Layton. And Dalglish walks in. And although I couldn't understand what he was saying, I got the gist of what the hell are you doing in here? Get out now in front of Jim Layton. So, and then Graham Sunes took over. And and used to go and tell us all to boil our heads in ovens and this that. So I learnt a lot up there. And 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 family
0: club uh, is Liverpool FC. Oh, the
2: family well, club. Yeah, was yeah. It was. Yeah, Sunaster <laughs> S- had been ill. You know, remember he had his heart attack, and all, it was all going wrong at that stage. And funny enough, of the three clubs up there, Liverpool, Everton, and Tramir, the most success was with Tramway. We went mm-hmm. to Wembley three or four times with them. They were winning the Leyland Daff and getting yeah. promoted by the playoffs, and they signed John Aldridge. It was, I really enjoyed it up there. Um, but then I managed to get a, a network job with the BBC, and Five Live started. And my little claim to fame was I, I was the very first voice on the very first sports bulletin on Radio Five Live. Wow which I'll always remember came the morning after Manchester United had played Aston Villa in the League Cup final in 1994. So I was there for three years, and I love radio. And to this day, I still, and I'm very lucky that I do a lot of radio, just been out in Paris, doing Radio Roland Garros for the French Open. I do the the Wimbledon show for two weeks during that uh, fortnight. And I I still love radio, but I had a a producer who went to Sky and doubled his money. And I do remember saying to him, because I'd learned then that it's who you know, more than anything else. I said, oh, if they're ever looking for somebody, mention my name. And to be fair to him, he did. I did a terrible screen test. Somehow they gave me the job. And that's why I ended up being there for the best part of 20 years.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Well, there you are. Well, look, let's, uh, w- 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 let's go with your, your, your first clip. And again, you know, we've done a whole season of these and we're doing another season now. This, rightly so, will be in most people's top 10 if you're of a certain age. Um... And uh, there's only one thing to say, really. John Motson, 1981, commentating on that goal. It's still Ricky Villa.
1: Villa. And still Ricky Villa. What a fantastic run. It's scored. Amazing goal by Ricky Villa. The big man from Argentina went round one, two, three. Joe Corrigan came to block and Viliot squeezed it in. As we see it again from behind the goal, just look how many players he twisted and turned past
0: and then got his shot in. Why did that one go in? Presumably you were kind of, what sort of age? Sort of teenagery.
2: y How was, old were you? I was 14 years old. Oh well, yeah. And I couldn't get a ticket for the original game. Mm. Um, and I was absolutely gutted because, you know, 14, I felt like I'd been supporting Spurs forever even then uh, been five or six years, but it had started actually when they got relegated. So I I'd had a tough time and I remember being beyond excited. I can't begin to explain my emotions when Spurs got to a cup final. And then the fact that I couldn't go to the original game was incredibly frustrating. And so when that finished as a draw, I thought, well, this is amazing. And my dad, to his credit said, right, um, you know, they're going to be selling tickets at Wembley tomorrow morning, Sunday morning. And he drove me up there at about half past four in the morning oh. and I stood in, and, I, and there was already thousands of people there mm. and I thought, oh, no, I'm thought, i too late. It's half four in the morning, but we stood in a queue and it, and the queue went really well, actually. And I, I remember, I got two tickets, one for me, one for my, for my half brother, because my dad wasn't that bothered. And, and Nigel, my half brother, as I've mentioned, was the one who sort of got me into it. And I just clutched these two tickets and I was so excited. I had to wait four days. Obviously the game was on the Thursday night. And then going there, just traveling with all those Spurs fans up on, on the Metropolitan line, the lovely sort of s- spring evening. Yeah, it was. But the weirdest yeah. thing of all, when we were 2 1 down, I looked up at the scoreboard. And I mean, this is going to sound ridiculous. I looked up at the scoreboard and I thought it said 3 2. I, I saw it saying 3 2. Wow. And yeah, obviously, I, amazing. Well, I don't know what was going on. I wasn't drinking in those days either. But, <laughs> um, and it was almost destined to be. And then, and when that, when that, via goal went in it was just bedlam um uh, it was uh, at that stage, without question, it was the gr- it was the most exciting moment of my life, and so absolutely. I'll, I'll,
0: I mean, we're we we're, we're, we're this we the, the same age, and although I I was supporting Spurs and going in sort of seventy three, I had no memory of seventy one, certainly no memory of seventy three. So this was a as a you know a young Spurs fan. This was a long old stint to wait for a trophy, especially an FA Cup. In my lifetime, uh, yeah. I had not seen us. Uh, in a final, I mean, it was. Nice. stuck And it was. You're right. It was. I remember it was a warm day. I, I I think I remember. Maybe, I recall going to White Hart Lane to queue up and get tickets. But maybe they did White Hart Lane and Wembley. I I don't know. Um, that, that I can't remember. But it's it's a night that none of us will will ever forget. And I was saying on 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 a, on a previous show, it's funny you mentioned that two one because nobody talks about that that we were losing with what seventy five yeah. minutes to go or something like that, and yeah. there was. Still, this well, certainly belief within this side play, and they could do it. And there was still obviously a belief for the terraces. We could do it. And that when that second one went in, I kind of thought we were going to go on. Didn't know how we we're going to win the game after we went two two, but I think most Spurs fans thought, right, we'll go on and win this now.
2: Yeah, and and the other thing that made it all the sweeter was because I do remember. Again, I didn't go to the semi final at Hillsborough, but I was listening on the radio, and and when we conceded that laughable equaliser late on. Yeah, I, I I actually burst into tears, which is you know I was a little embarrassed, but I thought, oh, we can, this is this isn't meant to be, we're not gonna do it. And then of course the, they put the, the the replay was at Highbury, and I managed to get tickets to go to that, and I, I was very close to putting that game in yes, my list. Sure. as Well, because we took over Highbury Everything. again, some fantastic goals were scored that night as well, and I remember running home like flying through the air. So the whole that whole period, it, it was sort of. Destined was it to be, was it not to be? And, of course, it it was to be in the most spectacular fashion.
0: Absolutely. Well, your second clip is uh, featuring a man, who I think was man of the match in that replay, despite Veer getting two goals, which is cruel. I'm talking about Glenn Hoddle, and I, too, was at this game. I think it was 3-2 from memory. Uh, It was Watford away, 1983. And um, in lockdown, we did various... uh, shows Tottenham's greatest goals. I mean, Hoddle could have been his own show with his 10 greatest goal. Uh, this was certainly up there. Watford away. This moment of magic from Glenn Hoddle. Galvin. Brook.
1: Hoddle with a beautiful piece of skill. What a magnificent goal by Glenn Hoddle. He deserves those celebrations. 11 minutes gone in the second half the Glenn Hoddle, that we know and admire so much, is shown to perfection. Everything about that goal was glorious. The turn, the move into space, and at the end of it all, the chip into the far corner.
0: So, Marcus, why, why has this gone in there, uh, of all the kind of Hoddle goals that you've seen? Um, well, funnily enough,
2: and you're quite right to pinpoint Glenn Hoddle, who, who was a genius, and, and that goal, you can watch it a thousand times... But my hero in that period was actually Steve Archibald. Oh, and that, wow. that if you remember, he'd had a big bust up with Keith Birkinshaw at the start mm-hmm. of the season yes. uh, over whether he was injured or not, and he, and he wanted to come off. And uh, Anyway, so it, he, he was out of the team for a long time. And going into that game, he'd just sort of been – he was on the bench, but he and Birkinshaw weren't talking. I, I believe they didn't talk for the whole season. But Spurs had had a pretty indifferent start to the season. Archibald came on, uh, and the atmosphere in the in the Spurs end that day was unbelievable. I mean, I love that those sort of quite small, old-fashioned English grounds. You get the noise, and I was right in the middle of it. Great view. It was brilliant. And he came on, and he scored from about thirty yards. If you'll recall, yeah. as I think we came from one nil down, three one, eventually won it three two. So his goal was. For me, amazing. But then Hoddle scored that goal as well. And I thought, this is, this is what I love about this Tottenham team. They've got my hero and we're all singing, we'll take more care of you, Archibald. But we've also got Dan Hoddle, who can sort of do this every week. But what a finish that was. And, and it, it was just the whole afternoon, that the, the atmosphere, the camaraderie, and the fact that Archibald, my favourite player, scored a blinder. And Hoddle, mm. who was, I think, my se- along with the layers, I had them as equal second, mm. also scored a wonder goal, um, uh, yeah it was just one of those days
0: it was there's a nice one to mention and then kind of put the last big game before that side kind of started to break up certainly the manager moved on and uh, we've 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 this is again rightly certain so, a lot of people's picks let's listen to that final moments when we won the UEFA cup final at the lane in 1984 and that save from tony parks Danny
1: thomas to keep his spirits up Tony Parks will pull off another save Good Johnson from Iceland is the man taking it he saved it Spurs have won it Tony Parks is the hero fantastic scenes here and here comes Graham Roberts big cup. A beautiful smile and Spurs have won the UEFA Cup. Yes, it's a heavy cup to carry after so much effort for Spurs right through the night. Thomas, it looked like a night of disaster for him, and suddenly it's a night of triumph. Mike Hazard, who's had a tremendous game in the midfield, a lap of honour. Steve Perriman lifts the cup, the Spurs captain, who was out through suspension.
0: Why was this in there? This, this was, this was, for anyone who was there, this, this was one of the greatest nights at the Lane, wasn't it?
2: It, it really was, and. There were other reasons. Well, listen, it's a European final. So this was, you know, you've got to go to this because it's. I'd never witnessed anything like it. And I didn't know if I'd ever witness anything like it ever again. I, I'm sorry I have to mention Archibald again because I knew it was going to be his last game for the club because he was linked with big money moves. And eventually he went to Barcelona that summer. Uh, and I, so I went with my friend Will. We and, and uh, what's amazing in those days, you, you just went there. I didn't have a ticket, but you got in, and I got there really early. <laughs> you know, standing, standing on the shelf, and the atmosphere from about two hours before kickoff was unbelievable. And then it was the same old Tottenham in the you know having got a very good result in the first leg. We really, really struggled, and, and then Graham Roberts, who again I, I, I admired him so much, and I thought it was quite fitting that he did what he did that night, and then. Obviously, Tony Parks is in the side because Ray Clements can't play. And, and when Danny Thomas missed his penalty, I again thought this is going to be a horrendous anticlimax. And in years to come, there will be a lot of anti But there was something about that Tottenham team in the early 80s. I mean, they could have won a lot more things, but they were brilliant. I think yeah. they were a really underestimated team. They could have won... Well, the following season, they could have won the league. They could have won the league in 82, 83. So that, to me, was sort of the culmination of that period. And... To, to see them win in that fashion and also to see Archibald sort of kind of waving goodbye. This was a, I felt it was almost like a bit of an end of my childhood in a way. And mm. I, I, as a result of that, it was, it was bittersweet, but, but very sweet more than bitter because it was just, I, I said, I don't think it gets much better. We're winning a European trophy in our own backyard.
0: Yeah, I think, and, and again, anyone like that, me wrong. I think this was the first penalty shootout that Tottenham Hots ever been part of. I can't see why, in a major game, I can't see why there would have been one before. So the excitement there, the nerves, and obviously, if you remember, Park saved the first one, Mm. missed all of them, kept going the wrong way for all of them, Mm. and then changed the way he went for the last one. It was just Mm. extraordinary, wasn't it?
2: Oh, it was. (laughs) And and just... Yeah, the look on his face because there's the fairy tale side. There's, there's often, isn't there, the unlikely hero and and fair play. He milked that moment. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I I've still got the VHA. I haven't watched it for a while, but I still remember that night so vividly. And it, I think, my goodness me, is that nearly forty years ago? I don't honestly know whether last. That's thirty eight years ago. It's, it's scary because yeah. it feels like it was a couple of months ago.
0: Yeah, I've got the VHS as well. I think it went over Brian Moore and I recorded it and I yeah. used to watch it before I went to school and uh, really extraordinary. We're going to jump now to uh, another moment, seven years on. I I, I think that, again, and, and rightly so, this is in everyone's top 10. Uh, and uh, let's listen to again. Arsenal in the semi-final 1991. Barry Davis... And this shot, this wonderful, extraordinary moment from Paul Gascoigne.
1: Magritte has gone forward with Stewart to the right, Lineker and Howes to the left. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! That is schoolboy's own stuff. Oh, I bet even he can't believe it. Is there anything left from this man to surprise us? That was one of the finest free kicks that this stadium has ever seen. Seaman got his hands, couldn't hold. Spurs have the lead. Paul Gascoigne, the scorer.
0: Were you there that day? Did you manage to get tickets for this one? Yes, I did. I got a, I managed
2: to get a ticket in the press seats, which right. led to a bit of trouble, but... Uh, Part of the reason I remember this weekend is because the night before I went to a party and I did meet a very attractive uh, young lady and had a fantastic night. So I was, I right. was, I was in a, on a bit of a high.
0: Is this before, Were you still working at Radio Merseyside? Where are you now?
2: Yeah, uh, so we're in 91. I was, I was working in, uh, in Liverpool, but I had the right. weekend off. Um, right. planned that. So I'd had a night out with my London friends. had a mm-hmm. very good night. Went up to um, the game the next day. Can you and remember
0: where, where you were, which club you were in? Can you remember which which discotheque I um, there wasn't
2: a I remember it was a house party in oh. Hamlet, actually. Yeah. Where? I can't remember the name <laughs> I not remember I can't remember the name of the girl now. I'm let me know the name of the street, but um, <laughs> There were so many wasn't it, there, Mark. Oh, there were so many, endless, <laughs> endless conquests. But um but I do remember thinking this was a great night, this is destined to be a great day, a little nice. bit hungover, but got up there. Got a, And I managed to wangle through a friend of mine who is now actually the, the BBC, I, I should, well, I mean, but he's the BBC football correspondent. Um, mm-hmm. He got me a ticket. Right. And of course, as the action, and he said, obviously you're in this press area, behave yourself. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I took a notepad and, and for the first 20 minutes, I'm pretending to write the formations down all the rest of it. And then when, it, when, well, when the goal went in, I lost the plot. And of course I had half of Fleet Street say, oh, shut up, what are you doing in here? And I nearly got thrown out.
0: Because there's a protocol. I mean, we yeah. had Jerry Cox uh, yes. on, and he goes, he didn't jump up. He goes, I sit on my hands when I'm recording his players. And I said, you must have jumped up. Yeah. Surely, went, no, you, it, it's not the done thing. No, you don't it. do it. A lot of people won't even tell people which team you support. Some people you know they support. It's yeah. not a done thing. So you And I I was incredulous. How can you sit still at a moment like that? So I'm glad to hear that you, you, you lost it. Well, uh, not only, yeah, I, I, I suddenly found myself
2: screaming, where's your double gone? Because that was the, the chant, if you remember that. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. Arsenal were going for both. And, uh, and suddenly there's about 20 people go. what are you doing? I'd, I'd say, okay, okay. But it was, uh, like you say, sometimes emotions get hold of you and I managed mm. to stay in there and that was another amazing day.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, then let's finish this half on, on a downer. Uh, you're not a Tottenham fan if you can't uh, pinpoint some of the most abject days out supporting Tottenham. I remember this one avidly. I mean, I, I, this has not been in anyone's top 10 list, has to be said. Well, and why, why. why would it be? And I just can remind you, and, I, and I, I mean, it's so bad, I didn't even bother to get a clip through. I thought, what, we can listen to all six goals or maybe our one goal. I'm talking about 1996, the League Cup defeat at Bolton Wonders. When we lost six goals to one, how did this end up in your top ten list?
2: Well, this coincided with the period when I was at the BBC, and uh, I was doing a lot of football. And it, it was always a bit of a poison chalice if I was given a Spurs game, and often I wasn't because they were aware that I was a bit of a Spurs, well a big Spurs fan, and they thought, oh well, you might you might struggle to be impartial. Which I like, like, of-
0: which is, which we heard from 1991 is very, very but, true. They were yes, correct to think that. But, uh,
2: I matured by then into a yeah. very grown up young man, and um, I, anyway, they they gave me actually maybe they knew what was coming. He says, "Yeah, you're up to Bolton tonight," and I went up there. It was we were so so bad, and the worst thing of all was um, you had to you know my, part of my job was to get a reaction from the manager afterwards, uh, and you've got to get it as quickly as possible because the game's finished at whatever at nine thirty. Normally the the sports show's done by ten, so you want to get the reaction on air before ten o'clock. The problem with Jerry Francis was he took forever and ever to come out even if they'd won let alone losing 6-1 so I'm standing outside waiting in the bitter cold there's an old fella just next to me and I'm, I'm talking to another uh, reporter going I'll tell you what not only is he, is he put out a terrible team but you never ever get a chance to talk to Sherry Francis for at least two hours after the, the match is finished I mean he's a nightmare at which uh, point this old fella goes you just be careful what you're saying that's my son you're talking about and I'll be telling him all about you no. so unbeknownst to me I've slagged off Jerry in front of his father outside the the, uh, the Bolton sta- oh. Stadium uh, which didn't endear me to anybody and I never got <coughs> the interview with him and so it was such a bad night that somehow it's it's sort of no. remained in my um in the in the recesses of of the back minds of my of my memory but yeah for all the wrong reasons
0: i mean what are the chances of that really yeah it's it Francis's was unlucky dad fair, waiting think, outside waiting knew, for him Jerry, i mean jerry lovely
2: man and but when he did talk to you of course you remember he stared at his shoes the whole time as yes, well he always
0: but, used to look you couldn't look people in the eye
2: i know i just wanted 30 seconds we
0: were terrible tonight
2: but we'll look to bounce back at the weekend and didn't even get that
0: yeah, it was kind of the uh, the beginning of the end. There was obviously the following year. There was the seven nil, seven one at Newcastle as well, and that was kind of that was it really. But this was, I remember, this was absolutely abject. It was, uh, God, that kind of, you know, that sort of mid nineties period. We, we you yeah. know, I know we we block it out, yeah, but we'll probably try we had some pointless journeys up and down the motorway. Well, let's go to a short break, and when we come back, we're going to continue with Marcus Buckland's. Top 10 Tottenham. And we're back from the break. Uh, don't forget, uh, during this close season, you can still listen to our daily shows on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash show. Get a daily news show uh, and other um, interesting uh, audio. Uh, don't forget that you can now sign up for next season's monthly season ticket to come to all our lovely Spurs Show live monthly events. Go to season.spursshow.net, uh, sign up, and they are wonderful, wonderful nights to attend. And if you look at the link to the description to this pod, we've got some beautiful new Spurs Show merchandise, including a kind of figure uh, panini mock-up. With Bob Marley in a Spurs shirt, Adele in a Spurs shirt, some lovely new and Sun design. Uh, so go and check them out. The perfect summer gift. Right, Marcus, uh, we, we finished before the break on an absolute downer. Uh, this is a, a, another one which uh, is not going to be on anyone else's top ten Tottenham list. I, I, I do. I remember both semi-finals to this. I'm talking about the 1999 League Cup semi-final first leg, which finished goalless. Mm. Now, I'm assuming this is in there for some professional capacity.
2: <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> it, 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 almost the end of my professional career, actually, because wow. that day, for, everything went wrong. Um, one of my best friends at the BBC in those days uh, was Cornelius Lysett, the racing correspondent. And it, it still, Well, he left the beat very recently. Yeah. And he used to, uh, once every sort of three or four months, have a big sort of get together uh, in a pub near Hammersmith again, actually. And, it, and it, would, it would last from about 12 o'clock right through until closing time. I went to that uh, at about 12 o'clock and left knowing I was going to Spurs in the evening for the game. And I was taking with me, and there's another woman involved in this, but an American girlfriend of mine called Evie, who had never been to a, a football match before. I had taken her to a cricket. I should have known I shouldn't have done this. I took her to a, cricket, to a cup final at Lord's the previous summer and she sat there reading a book all day and then just as it got exciting she said we've got to go i've had enough of this so that was a disastrous uh, trip to a sporting event then anyway, i said no come on i've got a ticket to to spurs are in the semi final tonight so i took her up to tottenham wimbledon obviously went to to try and keep it nil nil did a very good job it was a terrible game she was bored i, I was I'd had a fair few beers before we got there. I had a few more during the game, and then I said to, "Right, we're going to go to the press conference. This is just, uh, you, you need to see how it all works." And I had good contacts there, so I could get get into the. They used to the press conference in that porter cabin around yeah, uh, yeah, uh, outside yeah, the main. So now I walk in there with, with my friend Abby, claiming that she's you know a soccer correspondent for the Dallas Evening Post or whatever it was, and and Joe Kinnear is in there going on about how wonderful his. Uh, team was and how well they defended and this that and the other and I, I was obviously you get frustrated watching a nil-nil draw anyway and i would had a few and I I said Joe uh, I've got the correspondent here for the Dallas Gazette or whatever very you know wanting to love football but very unimpressed by the game what would you say to that and of course he took great umbrage and being having had a few drinks I kept pressing him a bit and then I could see all the all the newspaper writing think, Marcus what the hell are you doing you can't his choking ear off to this degree and eventually I asked another question I just said him say what's the arsehole saying now get him out of here and so I was sort of unceremoniously taken out in the middle of this press conference because I was so angry at the way they played that he was taking great pride in the way they got the nil-nil draw so Evie my friend was not happy but of course the outcome was great because a week later we went and beat them one that in the second leg and got to the final so did
0: indeed we did indeed. That's good. And, and how long did it last with you and Evie after this uh, evening? Well, I, I don't think she had quite
2: the same professional respect for
0: me after that, but
2: I did <laughs> say that, that that was a one-off. And actually, uh, although the relationship sort of fizzled out a little bit, we are still in touch to this day. But I've never taken her to another football match or cricket match. Although she did take me to see the Dallas Cowboys a few years later, right. um, which is now why I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan.
0: Lovely. Well, I hope she listens to this at some stage and the fact that she ends up in a podcast about Tottenham Hotspur will be, uh, I'm sure, quite surprising. That's a great story. I mean, again, it's it's very, very rare. I mean, I, you know, I've very rarely been in these press calls. It's very rare when, when, when uh, uh, any kind of journalist loses it like that. And Kinnear could be prickly. I mean, I know he was a little Joe Spurs man, but certainly as a manager, he was quite a prickly character, wasn't he?
2: He was, he was very prickly and, and they were doing very well back then, to be fair. And of course, you know, as a strictly neutral observer, I should have respected what a, a great defensive performance they produced. But for me, having taken this American and I was saying to him, you know, basically you've just ruined football's reputation in America. I can sort of understand why prickly as he may be, he did take offense to that line of questioning.
0: Yeah. Well I mean we're gonna to go to your next clip, which which was uh the, the, the same year, the same competition, the final. You talk about that Wimbledon game not being good. This was really not a good final, and as you remember, it was about to go to another penalty shootout when uh Stefan Everson got the ball, I remember, and this happened next.
1: The Welsh, and keep going. to finish well Everson's in one of his quietest days but what a time to pick to produce your most important moment of the match it's a lovely surging run really drives it, Steve Walsh really goes at him He's no real support, it's going to cross the goal and there's Alan Nielsen we talk about his drive into the box and so late in the game Even with 10 men, Nielsen's desire to get in there, just in the hope that something would happen. And this time, George, you can go up. It is in.
0: Why did this one go in? I mean, this was, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it was. It was our first trophy in quite some time, wasn't it?
2: It was. It was our first trophy in eight years, if I'm not mistaken. We won the cup in 91. So this was the best part of 10 years on. But the particular reason why this was special for me um, was that I took my mum, and oh, lovely. she, she, you know, she wasn't a massive fan. But as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, it was her side of the family that was Spurs through and through. So she understood the passion. Mm-hmm. She was quite kind about that without really getting into it. And the year before, she had very nearly died. She, um, she had a, an aneurysm, and luckily, she'd been in hospital for something else at the time. Had she not been in hospital when this happened she would uh, have died for sure and she was in a coma for about six weeks and we we didn't think she was going to pull through but she did and and she was getting stronger again by the time of the cup final I said so mum you know you've you've..." she took me to one game I think back in the 70s I remember we played against Birmingham City and drew 1-1 I think Alan Ainscout scored for Birmingham I don't know how I remember that but that was the only other time she'd been to a game with me so I got her a ticket and we went out we had a bit of uh, corporate hospitality as well So it was done nicely, and it it was just really nice to have my mum sitting next to me, who a year before I thought was going to die, to share in, okay, what was not a great game. But again, we won it. And, you know, I I remember working out mathematically how many days I'd been alive and how many times Spurs had actually won a piece of silver. And I I can't remember, but obviously a lot of days and very few (laughs) where they won. So I made the whole thing into something very special and the Mm -hmm. fact that she shared it. Yeah. Meant, but it certainly was a cut above most of the other games that I went to.
0: Very nice. That's a, that's a lovely memory. Uh, we're going to go with your uh, your next one here. And again, a, a game that I still haven't really got over this. I, I mean, you know, Val Nova back then, mm. again, you know, you get a, a lot of, Football pundits who go, oh, what goes around comes around. Oh, certain clubs think they don't get the rub of the green. Bollocks, bollocks. Out of all the clubs in the top flight, we, without a doubt, uh, have had the worst rub of the green. Uh, maybe not with s- certain things in the last few years, but I can think of many, many occasions where we've been cheated. And one place we used to get cheated on a regular basis was Old Trafford. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, we, you know, the whole different podcast, I can tell you my... Awful days at Old Trafford, but this one was without a doubt up there. And of course, talking about 2005, this was the Martin Yole era. Now I think 2005, from memory. Well, yeah, was it? Was it with Santini? Uh, anyway, can't remember that. Uh, that disallowed goal from Pedro Mendes. Let's listen and remind ourselves of that extraordinary moment. from
1: his goal to win it back. end of the game here and Mendez has tried to lob it up. decision that is a travesty but should this have been a goal i think there is no question about it it bounces it's at least a yard over the line what the assistant's doing i don't know he certainly wouldn't have been level with a ball but i'm up here on the gantry i'm 50 yards away i can see that that's a goal
0: so why is this got in there
2: <laughs> well because this was one of the games i hosted for sky and actually right. we had it from the studio in london we weren't actually at old trafford but I always had to be on my behaviour because, of course, everyone knew I was a Spurs fan, and it was important not to um, do or say anything that was. Connected. And
0: you learnt your lesson from the joke
2: near my lesson, Funny yeah. enough, if anything, because I ended up doing quite a lot of Spurs games during that time. If anything, I was probably harsh on the team because you know, mm. when you've seen them, you know where the problems are. You can identify that, and because you're passionate. You- you tend to sometimes be a little bit too critical. So it it was a difficult balancing act on top of that. Niall Quinn was my studio guest. So I've got somebody who clearly enjoyed Spurs losing or having bad things happen to them. So when, when that goal, and of course we, 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 we weren't, we were pushing for champions league qualification. It was a really important game. So when we scored, which we so clearly did, and it was disallowed.
0: I think it was a draw at the time. For me, was it a draw at the time? I can't remember. Yeah. We were losing. I can't remember. I've now.
2: never watched the game back no,
0: got
2: in the incident, but I, I mean, I've blocked the game out. Of course, he's laughing his head off. He thinks it's the funniest thing ever. Uh, I am going absolutely mad. I've got my position director in here saying, "Come on, when we do the analysis of this, you, you can't go too far over the top about it." But I, I do remember, obviously, when we came back in the studio and assessed it. And then I did watch myself back afterwards. You can see this mad look in my eyes as i'm trying to trying to understand how the referee might have got it wrong and yeah it, it was a horrendous it was abs- uh, it was one of the biggest tests of my professionalism to try and remain constructive in the criticism without just become a, a, becoming a, a bawling spectator saying that the referee should have been at spectators in well much worse language than all the rest but the of
0: linesman it. as well the yeah, the, I mean, how can, the linesman not see it how could two of, or three officials but how can all three officials not see that it i mean it wasn't just oh we need to now get the camera it's just like, it was so blatantly over the line I know. and I, even I... Leighton, Jim Layton the way he did it the sort of threw the ball out and got on with it, it was
2: Extraordinary. Yeah. No, um, it was Roy Carroll, wasn't it? In oh, Carroll. Carroll. It, it was Roy Carroll. Cowell. You're and, right. Well, he knew, but I guess you kind of you're not going to blame him. He'll get away with it. But you're right that so many officials could see it, and it was just. I think what you also said is quite correct. You maybe whoever you support, you feel your team becomes the victim of outrageous decision making. But certainly over the years, we've had our fair share. That that was the most outrageous I think I've ever seen. And of course yeah. that. And I knew at the time the significance was probably going to be that we wouldn't finish in the top four because that, mm. that we, we dropped points that night that, you know, would have made the difference. And I think, look at the end of the season, that was the case. So it was significant and it was outrageous. And yet somehow I had to stay calm through it. So it was, for that reason, it's got in my top 10. But again, it's, uh, it's a pretty horrendous moment.
0: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and troll YouTube and see if your uh, post-match... <laughs> I analysis. It'll be out there somewhere. I hope not. I, I hope do. It's... I do have a man in. I do have a man in Brighton who used to send me. He used to go. Well, did, you, did, you, did you record whatever game? And most of the games I record and all that. But oh. a lot he used to send me over the years of game. I'm going to see if he's got that one somewhere. That'd well, would be think, lovely
2: to. Uh... I think that was the era of. Um, was it the era of Prem Plus? It might have been a Prem Plus game on pay per view. So if it was, it, right. it might be harder to get on YouTube as uh, YouTube as well. I can't remember actually.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. Well, look, happier times now. We're jumping way forward to the sort of the era that's kind of now, really. really? Uh, again, this is, uh, well, again, this, this is interesting. This is sort of, I'm talking about the Champions League now, and you've gone for an extraordinary moment. Uh, in, in, I mean, you talk about Rubber the Green. Okay, VAR it was correct. Maybe without VAR, we would have been out. Let's be honest, without we the goals given. I'm talking, of course, the Champions League quarterfinal second leg in Manchester. Let's listen now to the Lorente goal, which also went to VAR and was clearly a goal. And then the hilarious moment when all the City fans, Guardiola, all the anti-Totten fans around the world thought the City had done it, only to find out, They hadn't.
1: Trippy with a corner this time, all the way through, it's gone in. Well, Fernando Llorente might well claim it. From a Tottenham standpoint, they don't care where it came from. It's a goal for them that puts them back in control of this quarter final. It's Manchester City four, Tottenham three. It's Fernando Llorente giving it away here to Aguero. Aguero with a chance. Sterling with a chance. Here's the moment. Raheem Sterling for Manchester City right at the death! What a moment for Pep Guardiola and the Manchester City players! Pochettino cannot believe it! Tottenham have given absolutely everything! Hugo Lloris is crestfallen! And Manchester City look like they're heading into the semi-finals of the Champions League after an absolute classic at the Etihad! It's absolute heartbreak! for those Tottenham players and Maurizio. They had the chance to clear it, they decided to play here, Eriksen. Got to get rid of it. They're checking for a potential offside during the goal. And it is under review. A- goal I
0: think it's the Agüero moment.
1: When he gets onto the ball, is he offside? When he picks up the ball there, is he offside? Well, check Chakir... He's listening to massimiliano Irati and it's been disallowed! They disallowed it? It's been disallowed for an offside against Aguero!
0: Oh, my God.
1: Oh, my word!
0: I cannot believe
1: what we're seeing. I'm speechless. Well, so are the Manchester City supporters. Pep Guardiola can't believe it. The switch of emotion inside the stadium is unbelievable. Timo check here wants Tottenham to get on with the corner. And he blows the full-time whistle. Well, Tottenham Hotspur have done it, it's one of their great nights. The underdogs have come to Manchester and got the job done after a Champions League Classic that's had absolutely everything. It's had goals, it's had incidents, it's had VAR, it's had controversy. And it's Tottenham Hotspur who go to the last four of the Champions League. Their players can celebrate. But the looks on the faces of the Manchester City players tell you absolutely everything. It's finished. Manchester City four, Tottenham Hotspur three, 4-4 on aggregate. And Tottenham through to the last four on away goals. What a night.
0: Why is this one in here? This was, uh, I mean, again... uh, uh, a lot of people when I speak to the Lucas Moore and Ajax uh, the game, I always say it's like a JFK moment. You remember where you were and who you're with. This yeah. is also a JFK moment. Where were yeah. you, who were you with when this happened?
2: Well, the thing is for the last six years or so, I have voiced the Champions League highlight show and I do the Europa League as well for the World Feed, um, which means that basically we we have to get uh, I I sandwiched the voice so I introduced the the match, all the, all the the, the little featury stuff and then wrap it all up afterwards which means it has to be written basically as you go because it's sent around the world uh, less than an hour after the match has finished so it, it's it's something of a poison chalice. when i accepted the job first of all uh, spurs weren't in the champions league and i didn't realize it was going to have such an effect on, on me missing a lot of uh, big games uh, you yeah. know which was a good thing to have but anyway so i've got this issue where i am I'm working and I'm having to write as I go because effectively the moment the game's over, you've got to go and record it all and, and say what's happened and this, that, and the where other. do
0: you record it? Was there somewhere at the stadium? You yeah, know, do it's, it? it's done in some
2: studios at gravity media, which is in Acton, which is oh, dark, okay. not too far from my house. And it's, I mean, they are a nice bunch in there. Um, and, there's a very nice uh, Chloe who's sort of the, the production assistant who's always with me and, and she had to put up with me on this particular occasion because obviously the game is going are you mad. Are
0: you watching this home or are you watching it in their studio?
2: No, I'm watching it in their, in their sort of next to their studio in a room mm. where computers, TVs, all the rest of it. Then you run right. into the studio next door to actually recall what you've written right. as soon as I'm it's over. Okay. So I'm in there with her and I'm, I'm writing as we go. And of course, one minute we're winning the next minute we're losing and my script is going all over the place. I'm, I'm losing, you know, the will to work with the, the so focus what, what score
0: it was. I was running out. Who's are we winning? Are they winning now? Oh, What's going
2: it, on? Oh, honestly, I must've rewritten this thing several times. And, and I I'm sure I, you know, then I I'm, ex- obviously we're now winning and then Sterling goes through and, so it's a double whammy for me because a it's like this is so typically Tottenham. I cannot believe we're going to lose like this in the last few seconds. And again, I slightly lost. I kicked, and this is not clever, not, uh, but I, I I just lashed out and I smashed this table uh, in the, in the studio in the uh, in the well the room next door to the studio, and it sort of cracked in half. Like, oh my god. Uh, Chloe's looking at me like she's working with some sort of lunatic and she better get security up there. The, the double one is also, because I've written a script now that, that um, is out of date, because City had just scored. And I, Oh, my God. And then, of course, no, look at this. Despite Guardiola and all the rest of them going mad, it's been disallowed. And I just couldn't believe it. I thought, well, we're actually getting the rub of the green. And my script is OK. I can go and record it straight away. So for that reason, it stays... and. Uh, I was in a similar position with the Mora one as well because I was, doing, um, I was doing the highlights for the semi-final. But I think everything that happened in that quarter-final made the semi-final possible. And that's why I've just edged that. The only sad thing about it all was that, that having got to the final, I, I said to the, um, Frank, who's the, the great bloke in charge at Gravitas, look, do you mind? We're in a final. I doubt we'll ever get to another one. Do you mind if I, I, I don't do the final? i go off to... Madrid. he said of course and my my friend rob actually we got tickets in the liverpool end so after all the excitement of the yeah. semi and the quarter to sit in the liverpool end and enjoy the first 36 seconds of that final and then have to put up with what happened afterwards mm. was a horrendous anticlimax to an amazing campaign but that quarterfinal and semi-final obviously for all of us are never going to be forgotten
0: my my, my favorite story uh, people regaling this 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 moment is uh Julie Welsh, who, when the disallowed girl went in, she quietly got up, turned off the TV, and went to bed. No. And only realized Tottenham were through the next day when she bought the papers. No. Which is extraordinary. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't you? You see the girl go in, you're just gutted. Fuck this. Oh you off. God. She had to a sleepless
2: night and then thought she'd gone mad when she read the papers. Yeah. Didn't it?
0: Isn't that incredible? That's amazing. I mean, I, I, my, 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 my JFK moment, I was on a holiday in Israel uh and we were meeting friends for dinner and i was like fine you know you'll try and time it where are we going okay i had the sort of sky app on my phone all good we then go down an underground car park i lose reception and when i come out i've missed the first three goals you remember they scored we went two one up and i was like came up was like what what's going on and sort of halfway through the meal, I went, I'm I'm really sorry, lovely to see you all, I have to go back to my hotel to watch this, because I couldn't, there was no point, there was literally no point me going there, and when the disallowed girl went in, I collapsed, my legs gave way, I don't know if you're a Basil Forty fan, but uh, in the episode The Psychiatrist, when he's outside the door, when it's all gone wrong, and he goes down on his haunches and put his hands behind his back and starts jumping around. That was kind of me. My 40 years of sporting Spurs and the misery were culminated in that goal going in. The legs gave way. I was on the floor like, why is it? Was, Just like you said, why this happens. And then when that turnaround happened... I turn it to the other Basil Forty, Mrs. Richards, when he wins the money. And he's like, This is mine. I, for, for the first time in my life, Polly, I'm a winner. I'm a success. It's like, and it was that for the first time in our lives, Tottenham were winning. We're getting the rub of the green. The emotions. I mean, talk about being drained watching a game of football. That few minutes are extraordinary. And as we just listened to the clip then, you never, ever tired of hearing them. It's a great great memory. Beautiful. Wow! I'm exhausted even thinking about that game. And we're going to end, and I'm glad you kind of ended with this one. Again, it's one that I hope in in years, if, if we continue doing this tawdry little show and people out there around the world still want to listen to it, maybe this is one over the years where people look back in 20 years and go, oh, there was this game and whatever. And I'm talking about a game this season. Probably as we record this game, a player that probably will move on uh, and will always have his debut and will always have this game. And I'm, of course, talking about the extraordinary comeback this season at Leicester City. Let's listen to those crazy last two goals now. Doherty's up there. Matt Doherty.
1: and in. Bedvine has saved it for Tottenham. An extraordinary climax at the King Power Stadium. For so long, it seemed to be their game to lose. It looked like they'd lost their game to win. It looked like they'd lost it, but they've clawed it back. Already into time on top, and Bergvine's going through. And can he finish it here? Stephen Bergvine wins it! Astonishing stuff! Well, you could not have a greater impact as a substitute than that. Well, for so long, it seemed there would only be one winner. And it looks like they are going to win it. It's incredible. An incredible end to this game.
0: So why out of all the games, all the years you began to Spurs, all the memories, why is this one in here?
2: Well, the reason, and I wasn't at the game, but there's, there's a family connection because, funny enough, that week... I had gone to a hotel in Cornwall with my wife and my mother-in-law, who sadly had recently uh, lost her husband. So we had a, we, we we said, let's go down to this wonderful The Headland Hotel, actually in Newquay, which I would oh. strong, strongly recommend to anyone who wants to go for a few days. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. place and it's it's an elegant place. Now, my mother-in-law is a very sophisticated, strong woman who has no interest in football, cannot begin to understand why anybody would waste time watching a group of men run around kicking a ball. She's, you know, she's relatively advanced in age, um, free to speak her mind and thinks it's absolutely ridiculous that I've converted my two sons into football mad um, lunatics. So it's a bit of an issue if there's a clash between a sporting event and my mother-in-law being around. But that night we were, we were going into the very smart hotel dining room and she was going to treat us to a nice bottle of something expensive and we were going to have the full four-course four dinner. And, it's, you know, you go in there, it's everyone's sitting around, a little bit of quiet music, very elegant. Now, of course, I had forgotten until the day before that we were playing that night, so I quietly brought my phone in and had it on the flash scores. And we're, we're having dinner and chatting away, and, of course, I'm looking at it and, and I see that we're losing so it's, it's not the end of the world. How many
0: times we all done that? Yeah, the chat, little carts down. And the, uh, what dear? Oh, nothing, nothing. I oh. Well,
2: I did at one point say something. <laughs> oh, well, we're losing this, and she, oh, but stupid, doesn't matter, it doesn't matter at all. Let's just yeah. get on talking about other things. Anyway, then of course, if you watch flash scores, when you know he gets that thing says big chance, and I look at it, and then sure enough, it goes to two two in whatever nineteen whatever minute it was, and. Slightly forgetting again that my mother-in-law was in the middle of a very interesting story about Sunday. I go, yes! And I stood Mm -hmm. up and uh, so everybody, Marcus, what are you Mm -hmm. doing? What are you doing? Oh, I'm really sorry, really sorry. Sat back down again. Diners are looking around and thinking, well, he's a bit of a nutter. Anyway, I said, I'm sorry, we just equalised that. That point could be quite important. And she looks at me like I'm a lunatic. Mm -hmm. Um, And then obviously within a minute, big, I can't believe what I'm seeing. big chance, three, two, at which point, I kick back the chair, which goes flying into the couple behind, accidentally put my hand in the suit that I've got at the moment, and, and go, yeah, we've done it. And the look she gave me, I mean, actually, it's a priceless look in hindsight, but, um, you know, I, I was expecting to. I, I thought, just send me off to my hotel room or stand in the corner for the next three hours. But it was just an unbelievable. You know, just sometimes it's like the old days when you looked on on C You know, if you go Ugh. back that far, and you see something change refresh, like that, it refresh, was, refresh. It, it was. It was like I cannot believe we had scored twice in that space yeah. of time. And of course, if you think about, i I think that that win. Yeah. is wow. Wow. probably why we finished That's- in the top four. If we hadn't won that game, we, we wouldn't have finished in the top four. So. Did you
0: manage the same evening then to go and watch the goals? No, I, I had to
2: then.
1: Wow.
2: Be, I, I, luckily, my, my boys record everything, so we went home the next day and I watched it. But it was, um, you know, the fact that I, I couldn't imagine, couldn't hadn't seen it, was I hadn't heard it. I was just It felt so old-fashioned, because now we're lucky. I mean, growing up, of course, it was so much harder to get. Um, scores all the rest of it now you you, you can see it and you can certainly hear it so just to be reliant on a flash score changing like that kind of took me back in time also because I felt like I was being the naughty boy in front of my mother-in-law as well and, and I, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for, for uh, Steven Bergman as well. As you say, he, he made a brilliant day, but I feel a bit sorry for him that he hasn't had more opportunities. I agree. I agree. I understand why, but, um, and I think if he goes somewhere, as you say, he probably will. I, I really hope he'll, he'll do well because I think he's, a, he's a, a very good player. So it was just one of those moments. And um, I thought, yeah, here we are in a hotel in Newquay, and the Spurs bug has struck again, uh, and it just shows it, it can get you anywhere.
0: I have to ask, is, is your wife a sport or football fan particularly?
2: Not. She's, she's had to become converted because now my two boys and I uh, are passionate. And so I've taken her a few times. The funniest thing, when I met her, she didn't really know. anything. She said, oh, I know. I, I do know a footballer. Um, I met one uh, and did a little bit of work because she does. Uh, she's a floral decorator. And I said, oh, who's that? She said, oh, some bloke called Sol Campbell. And I said, and this is obviously long after he'd left. And she said, I think I've still got his phone number. Went, oh, have you? All right, but well, I might might be using that at five o'clock in the morning. Drinking <laughs> like
0: late night abuse.
2: <laughs> so yeah, that's the only player she'd ever heard of. But she's. Wow. I now test her. She has to name every Spurs manager since we've met, and you know, can she name five of the starting eleven from the last home game? She'd come right. up with two or three of them. So she, yeah. she's gradually being wound into the net.
0: Yeah. That's beautiful. I mean I mean you you just told that story beautifully and and, and again I I, I I see the scene. I see the scene. I see your mother mother in a bit like Mrs. Richards in that yeah, scene yeah. in Forty Towers and you in the yeah. soup and the chair going back. It's uh a sitcom really.
2: Similar looks to um to uh Mrs. Forty um what was her name? Um Brunella It's a bit like Sybil dealing yeah. with Basil as well. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I felt so very vulnerable at that moment mm,
0: that's lovely That that's that, a, a beautiful story and, and a great great uh, anecdote to finish uh, this particular episode of Top 10 Tottenham Marcus thank you so much it, it's been lovely I now know that everyone listens to the show when they next see you uh, commenting on on tennis or anything, they're gonna they're gonna see the these stories. They're gonna go see the guy on TV there, right? <laughs> well, when when we played Leicester, and this uh, the, these stories gonna go out. And you know, next time you're at Spurs, it yeah. will happen. Someone will come up to you, sidle up to you, and say, "Heard you on the Spurs show that story." And that will now happen. The story's yeah. out. there. thank you for well, sharing. It's, it's so uh, much
2: fun to go down memory lane because they are. I mean, you know, I think we all know, except my mother nor how important football is to you. And and these sort of ten ten days that I've picked out kind of shaped my my life in a in a large degree. So it's a lot of fun to to go back and think of them again. And hopefully, hopefully over the next sort of ten years we'll have yes. ten more to add to the list.
0: Exactly. That's brilliant. Marcus, thank you so much. Have a great summer and no doubt Pleasure. we'll see you next season back on the Spurs show. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then. Hey, Spurs! If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk.
2: Sports Social Podcast
1: Network.
0: Step into the world of power, loyalty,
1: and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family